Hey, this is Neil Bawa, the Mad Scientist of Multifamily, and you're listening to the Mailbox Money Show with Bronson Hill. This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. All right, welcome to the Mailbox Money Show. I am Bronson Hill. I am excited to be here. I hope you are excited to be here. Karen Hall is awesome. She is a self-made woman. Over the last 14 years, she has created a billion dollars under management through her company called Udirect IRA. It's a, she's become uh, a behemoth when it comes to really everything having to do with self-directed IRAs, um, SEP plans, solo 401ks. And you may be wondering, like, I know I should do this, or I've got some money tied up in a in a you know, some sort of IRA at a company. She addresses that. Like, how do you roll that over? What does that look like? I thought I can only do stocks and bonds. Well, it's not true. You can do all kinds of alternative assets. And a lot of people think they just don't have any more money, but then they've got all this money sitting in a retirement account that they can use to invest in real estate or other sorts of alternative assets. So I love talking about this topic and you're going to love, love Karin. You're going to love this show. This was a great episode. She was recently on Bigger Pockets uh, a little while ago. It was a good show as well, but really excited to jump in here and just talk about especially the changes for 2024 that are coming. So let's do it. Welcome to the Mailbox Money Show. I have Karin Hall with me today. How are you, Karin? Doing great, Bronson. Great to see you. Awesome. Great to see you. It's always a joy. I always appreciate your smile. It's always great talking with you. You always have something great to share and the education you provide is awesome. Well, uh, today we're talking about uh, retirement accounts. And I know it's your wheelhouse. We're talking about uh, secrets and there's some changes that are happening uh, in the space. But give us a little background on how you got started with this, how you got started investing, and just a little bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Well, you know, I, I'm sure you're, the tr same is probably true with you, where you, everybody in this space started out doing something else. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and then you got into real estate. And that, that was me. I was a radio announcer. <laughs> That's and, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I did that for 17 years. And, and then I made the logical transition into real estate um, early on, early days, <laughs> and became a realtor for a year. I realized that was a job for someone else. God bless you. <laughs> and then... Uh, from then I got into mortgage loan servicing and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a lot like what we do at Udirect actually. It's like, like account servicing. And yeah. from then I got into uh, loan origination and did that for a number of years. And then of course we had something called the Great Recession. Uh, and by the way, I did a little property management too. I'll throw that in. Uh, but during the Great Recession, I had to like reinvent myself because in Orange County, California, where I live, all the radio is up in LA. So, and then all my other skills involve real estate. And then during the uh, mortgage meltdown, that really wasn't that helpful. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got into this space in 2007. Uh, and then in 2009, founded Udirect IRA Services. That's awesome. You know, we have some things we share. We were talking a little bit before the show that um, you were a, uh, a basically a DJ or a radio announcer. And I, I used to work at McDonald's years ago doing the drive through. And people used to tell me, hey, you've got a great golden voice. You should do, uh, you know, be an announcer. And so I guess now I'm living out that dream, but it's a little less dramatic than I thought. But, um, you know, Chris Voss in his um, book, Never Split oh, the gosh. Difference, talks about the late night DJ voice. Yes. 
you yes. know, like, hey, hello, whatever. But you can actually use that voice to help kind of calm people down when they're upset, which I think is a really cool kind of thing to do. You ever use that in your, uh, I probably don't have too many people upset, but if you ever have somebody upset, like here and there, do you ever use that to kind of calm them down? <laughs> no, I haven't thought of that one. No, I just, I just speak, you know, I just, you just but, speak. But yeah. you're right. A calm voice. <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. I know you've done a lot of different things and uh, a lot of different, uh, you know, great reputation. We both live in the LA area and uh, really doing some some innovative things in the uh, space when it comes to education. And that's so really similar to what we do. You know, we do a lot of education. We have our deals. You, we do, you do education and then you've got your, your services that you offer. Um, tell us a little bit about your educational programs, kind of what you create for people and some of the things that you have. You have a huge audience that has uh, really uh, you know, you've really been a creative, a, a lot of value for, but what are some things that you found in the educational space that's been helpful for people? Well, one of the things that we provide at you direct IRA services is a huge uh, blog. So you'll love, if you have any questions about self-directed IRAs, any aspect of them, you can find the answer in our blog. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty extensive. I serve on the, on the board of directors for the retirement industry trust association. So when something new is coming down the pike, well, then we know about it. And so I can get it out to our account holders and to the world in general uh, quickly. So that's nice. Yeah, that's great. No, it is really great to be on the cutting edge of that. I know there are some changes coming um, to uh, to IRAs. We're going to talk about that in a minute and some of the self-directed stuff as well. But uh, talk to us a little bit about a lot of people uh, that I've talked to. They, they just uh, haven't become aware. It's even just even in conversations that, oh, you know, I actually could use my retirement account and just stop doing the boring Wall Street stuff. And I could do alternative things. I could invest in real estate. I could buy uh, properties or I could invest in a syndication. Uh, what are some things that a lot of people don't understand about retirements and kind of uh, next steps to be able to invest in non-Wall Street type of things? Yeah, I think people don't know you've been able to self-direct for almost 50 years, right? Wow. That, that's kind of my point. <laughs> uh, it was 1975 when IRAs were created. And the minute they were created, they were self-directable. You didn't mm. always have to invest in the stock market. It's, it's anything except life insurance contracts and collectibles. Really yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's interesting. I worked at corporate for 10 years um, doing medical sales. And I remember um, there was, while I was working there, you know, when you switch, when you leave a company, you could do kind of a rollover and you could actually truly self-direct. Now, some self-directed IRAs, they're not really truly as self-directed as others. And that's where you guys come into play, where you allow people to invest in all types of different things. Um, but, you know, I, I remember I had some conversations with the, with the it was HR or some of the people in the community like, well, you know, we don't really recommend you doing it. They just want to keep you into these kind of general plans uh, yeah. that are very, but are you guys doing a lot of kind of non uh, wall street or non-stocks bonds kind of stuff? Or what are some 100%. of the things you guys are involved with? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We have, you know, just, just under a billion under management, all in alternative assets. Wow. All in alternatives. That's amazing. Now there are some limitations. I think that you can't, be um, there's kind of a self-dealing thing. You can't like have a rental that you operate or things like that. What are some of the limitations that people should know if they're if they're starting one of these or getting involved in certain types of investments? Yeah, there's a whole framework of things called prohibited transactions. So if you want to be a rule book person and you want to go deep on this, you can look in the Internal Revenue Code. It's IRC 4971. But if you have a rental, there are some things you can do without it being prohibited. Like you can screen the tenants, you can pick up the rent check, you know, that's made payable to the IRA. You can hire third-party vendors to do the work. So you can do some property management without it being considered a prohibited transaction. But uh, to keep clear prohibited transactions, you keep the deals arm's length. So that is that you're not going to have your IRA buy a property from a disallowed person like your parents or your kids or your spouse or yourself. 
you know, so right. you steer, steer clear. Just arm's length is the rule of thumb really there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for a lot of folks, I mean, I know some people are very familiar with retirement accounts and they have something going, there are different types of uh, retirement accounts. I know there's uh, you know, kind of the standard self-directed IRA. Um, there's also something called a 401, uh, like a solo 401k. There's a SEP plan. Can you just talk about some of the different plans that are out there and kind of who's eligible for what? I would love to. And just understand all of these are self-directed. So if you okay. can have a SEP, it doesn't mean it's not a self, it, it's self-directed. So it's a traditional IRA, a Roth, a SEP, which is a simplified employee pension, a simple IRA, which, you know, obviously if the government calls it simple, it's not. <laughs> That's a, a savings incentive match plan for employers, but the SEP really replaced it. It's just so much better. And then of course you have the solar 401k, which is also self, which self-directing just means you're investing outside of the industry. It just means that your, your retirement bucket holds alternative assets. That's all. Yeah. Now I know there's some, uh, there, there's a lot of, there's some technical things about this. Once you kind of get set up, it's pretty, you know, in general, it's pretty plug and play and there's, you know, just, uh, you know, generally some minor fees that kind of go along with it and stuff like that. But how does it work? Um, there's something called unrelated business income tax, which yeah. as a syndicator, um, you know, we get concerned about because if someone's in a self-directed IRA and we use leverage to go buy a property, um, there could be a sneaky tax when that property is sold. Uh -huh. Um, can yeah. you talk a little bit about that and just some of the other kind of workarounds that are available for that? I would love to, you know, and it's another thing we have on our blog. If you want to go deep on it, you can look this up. But yeah, UBIT and UDFI, sort of cousin twin taxes. And again, rule book time, um, I, the IRS, IRS.gov, publication 590 talks about this. Okay, so anyone who's listening, you want to look up the rule book, that's where it is. But um, UBIT and UDFI. So UDFI is unrelated debt financed income tax. So that means if your IRA earns any income at all because of leverage, that income, not the whole amount returned, but the amount that, that's based on leverage is taxable. And a lot of times when people get into private equity, you know, syndications, and that syndication is taking on debt, you don't, a lot of times the investor doesn't know upfront that that means that their IRA is going to need to file a 990T tax form. Like you and I, we do our taxes. We do a 1040. Well, the IRA does a 990T. So if the asset sponsor is using borrowed money from the leverage, then the IRA investor in that uh, syndication is going to need to pay um, that, that UDFI tax. And that can be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, it can be, and and just so people you know understand, it's uh, it's something I haven't you know in the syndications we've done, I haven't seen anybody actually been penalized. I've heard stories of it, um, and it's not just like it's a hundred percent thing, but it can happen where somebody you know syndication one hundred k becomes two hundred k, but eighty percent of that was leveraged, then maybe that eighty thousand dollars of gains that were from the leverage. Uh, could be taxed at normal income, which is which is really sneaky because people are not expecting to pay that, and so that's where it is important to um, you know have a good partner like Karin and their group to just be able to to find resources for. Um, what are some uh, some some changes? I know there's a lot of changes continually happening. Yeah. There's some changes with the LLCs that have happened recently, but every year there's new changes with IRAs with limits and different things. But you're talking about some pretty significant changes that are coming down the pike. Why don't you talk about some changes that are coming up in 2024? Yeah, you know, I've been in this industry since 2007, and for the most part, nothing has changed. <laughs> and <then> lately, <laughs> oh, wow, we have all these. There are nuances, really, but one of the one of the nuances is this uh, this new corporate tax that you have to file. You know, have to file register your LLC in the year 2024. You might be familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? We have a yeah, blog. I have. Figure. Yeah. 
but, um, but so you can look it up on our website. Uh, but what I'm, what's important about it is if you have an IRA owned LLC, also called a checkbook IRA, that IRA will need to register. And you'll need to do that this year as soon as possible. You can talk to your tax advisor about how to do it. We, you know, we can help your, your, you know, send you in the right direction for how to do that. But what's interesting is if you have a solo 401k that has one of these special purpose LLCs in it, that solo K it does not have to register. Mm. It's LLC. You know, that's, that's a nuance and it's good to know, uh, but that's definitely new for this year. And then we have a lot, a tremendous number of account holders holding that special purpose LLC and it will affect them all. No, I, I know they do. They've done this as well for um, this applies for anybody that has a retirement account, but also if you have an LLC, like an investment LLC or something like our trust potentially, uh, what's the reason that the government has done this? I know this has just come out, you know, for January, 2024. Do you know what, you got to register it, you know? I don't know. They, and they, it's probably for public safety or for, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're just doing it. I'm not going to get political. So no, that they're just doing it. And, <laughs> We'll just comply, and they're not asking a lot of information. They just want to know who you are. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. There have been more stuff that have come out too. Even just the some of the know your customer, and at least we've been doing funds, and I'm sure for you guys as well. There's the anti money laundering stuff, and just a lot of regulations that go into it. That it seems like a stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're right. It's all about safety. That's what. Yeah. The word safety just popped in my head. That's it. It's about, and it's also about identifying bad actors and how to find them. and uh, that can be, you know, can be very helpful because in this space, uh, of course, this is where the money is. And so if, like, why do you rob banks, you know, Dillinger? It's because that's where the money is. That's what he right. said, you know, a hundred years ago. And so it's the same thing now. Um, IRAs can be subject to fraud and bad actors. So um, something that, that adds a layer of safety is always welcome. So speaking of safety, um, you know, it's, it's when you get an alternative assets, there's some things that exist in the traditional world. In my background, I was a registered investment advisor for a few years. And so I see some of the more traditional. It was a lot about suitability, just getting people into the right investment. When people start to manage their own money or to do their self-directed or checkbook IRA type of stuff, um, it really puts the power back into the individual, which is great. But there's also just some some questions of, uh, of for you know, someone listening is, how do I how do I really vet these deals, right? Because everything can sound great. I've sound, you know, every, you know, all, everything sounds great until something goes wrong. And it's like, oh, maybe I should have actually paid attention to that or I should have looked at this or whatever. And a lot of it's a learning process. But uh, do you have any just kind of some guidelines when it comes to, and I'm sure on your blog, you have plenty of information, but just maybe a few kind of highlights that you would uh, you would you would share on vetting deals? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, in the, the RITA organization, a lot of times they call on me to do a fraud panel. And so I've done several because we've been able to be crime fighters and uh, to, to a certain degree. And so one year I brought in a, a gentleman who um, had actually been a fraudster. He worked in the Chicago board of, you know, com- uh, what is it? You know, commodities. He was a commodity yeah. in Chicago. And so he was, he didn't mean to, that's how a lot of this starts off with everybody has good intentions, but then they, but then things weren't going so well. And so he tried to like fake it so that it looked good. And it turned into a Ponzi and it turned, it mm-hmm. became a big deal. And eventually he says, look, I can't handle it. I can't stand the stress. I don't mean to be doing this. And I'm just weighing over my head. So just, hey, come come and get me. Here's the proof on the front. Wow. So they said, okay, threw him in jail uh, for a number of years. And now he's out and he is helping people to avoid this kind of fraud. And a lot of times you can do all your due diligence up front and everything can be just crystal clear and perfect. But the due diligence has to occur after you invest. 
And when one of the things you can ask for going in is, I want, you know, you tell them, I want certified financials. I want to see your financials. But with this guy, what he did is he faked his financials. He was, he was so smart that mm -hmm. he was able to make it look like it was, you know, certified. So maybe you're looking at the financials and it has the watermark or a stamp from some sort of uh, like some large financial house. So call them and say, did you audit this person's books? You know? And mm. so it's not just enough to look at the audited financials, but call the institution that supposedly did the audit and ask their opinion of the audit, you see? Mm. So it can yeah. go pretty deep. And so when you invest, uh, I think a track record is, is a good thing to look for because I've just seen so many people, even in our small space in, in Southern California, start off with great intentions and end up in, in a world of hurt. So that's why yeah. you have to be credited is because you have to be able to afford to lose the money. Um, unless you have a crystal ball, sometimes you're just not going to know that you're yeah. dealing with somebody that runs into a situation where they choose fraud. So I would go with somebody who has a good track record and, yeah. who, and talk to their investors like, hey, how was your experience? Were you paid as agreed? What did that look like? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, my book, Fire Yourself, and I know you gave out to some of your audience too, which I'm grateful for that. Um, we talk about, you know, how to vet a deal. And on on one hand, like I've got some steps in there too, similar to kind of what you suggested. And on the other hand, like, you know, I even do with with partners that I work with, I typically do a background check on each partner just to make sure that, you know, there's something I didn't miss. But on that, with that said, you know, Bernie Madoff would have passed a background check. The guy helped start the NASDAQ. I mean, there's just things that like, and even like the situation you mentioned where he was actually where Bernie actually came forward and said, hey, I, I this was holding was a scam and he turned it in. And there was a book I read. I, I read books on this occasion because it's really interesting. There's a woman, I can't remember her name, but she, she had the largest, uh, I think in, in the US history, it was like a $400 million woman-led Ponzi scheme that was about uh, liquor licenses in California. And she had a hard money program for it, whatever. And, and it, like, again, it started out legit, but then she found somebody within Chicago title who basically was able to kind of rubber stamp this, whatever. So Chicago title, I'm getting sued and all this stuff, whatever. So sometimes yeah. even these big endorsements from these bigger groups doesn't always mean that it's safe and secure. And the only thing I can say is you try to do, it makes sense. You talk to other people, you kind of do look at everything, but you also have some diversification because, you know, if, if one deal out of 20 goes bad, just for whatever reason, whether it's a scam or something goes wrong with the investment, then you're okay. But if it's like, if that's half your money, then you're going to be in big trouble. So uh, what do you say about diversification? Is that obviously part of the strategy as well? Or how, like, what, what, how do you kind of speak to that? Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to diversification, financial advisors always recommend it. And that's a thing, self-directed IRA providers aren't financial advisors. So uh, I right. think that anybody who's going to use a self-directed IRA is going to need to get financial advice and then execute using this tool of a self-directed IRA. But yes, of course, diversification. No, it's just it's just common sense. Right. Yeah. We uh, when I was an investment advisor, that was one thing that like it was really hard to tell people. And even now, you really can't tell someone how they should allocate their portfolio. And so for me, I'm pretty strong on alternative assets. I might be 95% alternative assets, some cash and different things, whatever. But other people would be like, oh, like five or 10% is good. Or should I own gold? Or should I own like all these different things? So it's just, but it's something that's really difficult just based on someone's, their own risk tolerance, their own way that they see things. Uh, but, you know, obviously having some diversification can be really good. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of the market in 2024. Obviously in real estate, the last couple of years, it's a very different market than we saw before. 
where you know interest rates have gone up the fastest in over 40 years. Uh, wow. We've seen, you know, obviously if you have single family houses, you're doing probably fine because you have long-term debt, but we've seen some hits in the commercial space, particularly things like multifamily with bridge debt or other types of properties, right. office space, things like that. Um, what do you see kind of, I know this is a very broad question, but anything you want to say about 2024 uh, in terms to, you know, rates and kind of where we're headed and just any opinions you have in, in regards to your crystal ball? Oh, which I don't have, but I, I mean, what I see, you know, what I hear and listening to different podcasts and things, but, but I mean, we really did see things turn on a dime. I was buying some, you know, single family homes in, in the Midwest and, and then the rates just skyrocketed. So I kind of curtailed that for a bit personally. Uh, but I think what I see, how I see 2024 affecting our account holders, you mentioned um, having to, uh, for these multifamily deals, they have to go out and get new debt. They have to, you know, get, an, uh, you know, re out what do you call that they have to re-up their debt or oh yeah they have to well they just need to get a uh they either extend the loan or they go and they refinance and get another loan yeah uh, well because of this we we've got a lot of capital calls in right. self-directed ira so what that means and this is super important when you have a self-directed account you need to leave money idle cash in there wow. because if you get a capital call you need to have your ira pay ah. that capital call it can't come from your personal cash so always leave a cushion in your self-directed IRA for emergencies like capital calls, or if you're in straight up real estate, what if you need a new roof? That can be as you know as 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 crazy as as rates because it's an expense. Uh, so, but I, I think I think what the Fed has said that they're going to hold rates for a while. So I think they're going to hold steady is what I believe I've heard. And I don't know. We always we always seem to do okay. Peaks and valleys is it's always been that way. Peaks and yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, with uh, yeah, I've actually wondered that. I've had some investors want to put cash in, but you're saying yeah, if they are going to add funds, it has to come from the retirement account for them. They can't just add cash. They actually have to have it in a retirement account, or else, or else it would just dilute them for whatever shares they had in the that's right in the retirement account. Okay, interesting. And so yeah, capital calls are something that we've really seen in 2023, and I think we'll continue to see that into 2024. So I want to ask you a question a little bit um, on the spot here when it comes to types of investments that people invest a billion dollars under management. You have uh, probably tens of thousands of people with accounts that you've worked with over the last you know, 20 years. Uh, you know, you've, you've done a lot of great things in the space. Um, what, are, what are some of the most unique things that have come across where it's like, oh, that's really interesting. And I hadn't I really thought, and you, know, you can do that, like just something really different. The truth of it is most of the deals are pretty uh, vanilla, you know, in the sense yeah. that we do the same thing over and over again. Number one in our, our whole industry is syndications, right. you know, private equity. So that is the number one asset class for a self-directed IRA period. Notes are also super popular where your IRA is the bank and you're lending money. That's one kind of note. It can be secured or unsecured. Another uh, form of this is buying and investing in, you know, performing and non-performing debt. They're mm -hmm. buying pools of uh, very, very popular to do. So those are the most popular. But I think in my career with the, the crazy things I've seen, which are sometimes too risky that we don't really take these things on anymore. But like one kid, he, a young man, uh, bought some tickets to a Super Bowl game with his Roth IRA. With his Roth IRA. Did you know a ticket is real estate? Oh, wow. And he was it, able to resell it and make money with his Roth. Correct. Correct. Now, is that is that that wouldn't be self dealing though if he's buying and selling it it's considered investment he just well his IRA bought it and his IRA sold it so it wasn't self dealing okay. and he didn't sit there he didn't you know enjoy the seats personally yeah yeah that, that was something that he did but uh, that that's kind of an iffy thing another thing um, 
people have invested in some asset classes that, that have turned out to be super risky. We don't do this anymore, but like, uh, like maybe mango trees or something where you buy a tree when it's little, you know, you yeah. pay a dollar for a tree. And then when it's grown in say five or 10 years, then you've got a crop and that, that can be an asset class. So I, I would, if I was going to invest in something like that, I would probably want to do it as a syndication. And that would be the asset structure for myself, not the right. tree. Plant a tree and watch it grow. Now, there's some stories of this where, like, uh, the billionaire Peter Thiel had mm -hmm. a, a Roth IRA that he'd use. I think he did startup shares or something. And it was like a billion dollars, literally, in like a Roth IRA. And I think I think they changed some of the rules on this because yeah, he went from like being worth almost nothing to, for that account to like a billion dollars. Well, uh, you know it, what he did. You know, what, what the, the result of that was he created this special investigation by the Department of Treasury, and they wanted huh. to find out every you know, large, large IRA. And are these people, are they getting away and, and not paying taxes? And the truth of it is, no, all these people, they're like 400 accounts that are super, super large in the entire United States. Yeah. They're, that, they're, you know, in the millions. That Because IRAs are small. In, in, yeah. in, you know, relative Compared to big accounts, yeah. But uh, they found out these people were just following the rules. They were just playing by the book, using the structure only on a higher level with more zeros at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's, and that's, I think really good investing is just trying to find unique things that make sense. So maybe it's mango trees, maybe it's something else that you know, doesn't have to be super exotic, but just finding things that, um, that make sense for, for you as an investor. And I think some of the best investment strategies are not that sexy, right? It's just, you know, they say great investing should be like watching paint dry or, 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 you know, about as exciting as watching grass grow. And if you want excitement, which I'm actually going to Vegas tomorrow, not to have excitement, but to go to a conference, um, they go, you take $800 and go to Vegas and that will give you excitement. But with investing, it, it should be uh, you know, pretty boring. A lot of famous people say that. Um, what are some of the, uh, just a couple more questions here and then we'll kind of uh, get to the end here. But I wanted to ask for you, what's a, uh, what's, what's a book recommend or a tool that you've discovered recently that helps you with your investing or with your life? Yeah, well, my favorite book of all time was Think and Grow Rich. So that's yeah. not recent. That that goes back a while. But I just love that book. And I always recommend mm -hmm. it uh, to people that are that are getting started because it really does teach you the foundations uh, of of what it really takes to, you know, the discipline of it and and just and just the approach to life. So I always recommend that one. But I think uh I don't know, when it comes to investing, one of the things that I see is I look at other what other people are doing and I see what's succeeding and failing. And the way I do that is by participating in real estate investor groups. I know you are active in Pasadena Phoebe. I'll be speaking there soon. Um, and and also and I have OCREA, Orange County Real Estate Investors Association. So the various, and you can go on any meetup anywhere and look up you know investor clubs and go find and talk to people. What are they doing? What's succeeding for them? It, it's just, it's a wonderful community. People are almost always willing to share, hey, this this worked for me, this didn't. And that's where I would go to, uh, you know, to, to make decisions, to talk to people. Yeah, no, it's really great to uh, talk to people. That book, Think and Grow Rich, um, is a great book I've read as well. And, you know, there's a quote from that that says, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And it just goes with a lot of other philosophies of like, if you can visualize it, if you can see it, if you can keep it in front of you, you know, have goals, read the goals every day, focus on it. And you've obviously done that. I mean, I have a, 
a billion dollars under management um, in, in the years you've done is really impressive, Karin. That's really amazing. Well, I want to appreciate you for just all, for coming on the show today and for also just all the value you add to the industry, to individuals, to my life. And you sent me a few blogs. Hey, look at this, look at this. And, and I know you have so much resource, so many resources available for individuals and investors. And it's really great to be able to partner with you on some of those. Um, how can people get in touch with you and connect with you? The best way is through our website, which, and send us an email at info at udirectira.com. So the small U, big D, you know, udirectira.com. That's awesome. Karin, thanks for being here today. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much. And I hope uh, 2024 is an awesome year for Udirect and you as well. Thank you. All right. Great interview with Karen Hall. Um, just again, a lot to share, a lot of value she's bringing, um, not only you know somebody who has a company, but also a thought leader in that space. And really with her blog, if you are interested in these sort of questions around that stuff, their team, as well as the blog is very helpful to learn more because there is there are changes that are happening here. There's changes, as she mentioned, if you have an entity or some sort of uh, you know, a, a trust account or something that invests, you now need to register. So there's a little, there's a little more pieces that go into it now of things that you need to do. But, um, you know, I love that quote we were talking about at the end about thinking grow rich, um, you know, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And so I hope for you, you have some goals for 2024. You've put some things in place so that you can go towards your goals. Uh, we are planning the end of this year, uh, likely the first weekend in October, the Advanced Investing Summit. Uh, we had uh, almost 200 people there last year. We're hoping for uh, 350 to 500 this year. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a two and a half day event in LA. Some big time speakers. We're going to have more information about that in a little bit. If you haven't joined our investment club, go to bronsonequity.com. Check that out. And also check out my book, Fire Yourself on Amazon and where books are sold. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Mailbox Money Show. You've been listening to The Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune next time for more Mailbox Money.